Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's a brand new year and a brand new series for the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. I'm really excited about this because I get to talk shop with some of my friends in the industry that have their own podcasts, their own shows, and uh, get into a lot of the topics that you and I care about in our industry. This is a very short intro. I just wanted to set the stage for where we're going to be going the next several weeks of the show. I have several uh, high-quality podcasters who do a great job in their own way, with their own shows. I wanted to put them in front of you uh, to highlight some of what I think is the best and brightest in our industry in this uh, podcasting space. So without further ado, we're going to jump right to uh, the first episode of 2023 and the first episode of our podcaster series on AFP. Love to join with you in uh, our Facebook community. Just go to the search bar on Facebook and type in Agency Freedom. Visit agencyfreedom.com and sign up for our email list to make sure you never miss an episode. And that's all uh, for the lead-in. Let's get right to that bumper and uh, this episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Welcome to 2023, everybody. If you're listening live, you're right there with us, and it is January. Excited for the beginning of another year. Man, I don't know why Mondays get a bad rap. I don't know why Januarys get a bad rap. I love a fresh start. I don't believe in the whole uh, you know, New Year's resolution thing. I'm not really into that. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but welcome to the new year. If you're catching us up, uh, I should say, if you are catching up with the back catalog and you're listening to this at some point in the future, then this episode was recorded at the end of 2022, and this is the very first of our podcaster series to start 23, and I have invited a number of my friends uh, on to just cut it up and talk shop and you get to see a different flavor of them and what they're up to and what they think about xyz the very first of our podcaster series is none other than the insurance guys themselves mr scott howell and mr bradley flowers both from the great state of alabama and uh for those of you that are listening live i'm not going to tell you who the next ones are you'll just have to wait 
those of you listening in the future, just go ahead and look at that little episode summary and you can cheat ahead if you want to. But Bradley and Scott or Scott and Bradley, depending on who your favorite is, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Blessed and honored to be here today, James. Thank you. Now, I almost went into a little parody of your intro and be like, he is hails from the great state of Alabama, the city of Huntsville. He is the bride, you know, his bride, so-and-so his wonderful children, such and such, but I I ran That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Six foot three, 250 pounds. It's it's funny when I speak at conferences, they're always like the person that's going to introduce you is such and such. And like, there's like an intro, you know, and I'm like, they're always like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do as good of a job as Scott. <laughs> no. It, when, when I found out that you do all of those live with the guest right there on the phone yep. or the screen or whatever, it's like, man, that's pretty cool. That is a yeah. that is a neat way to intro somebody. Everybody's got to feel big and bad when they get an intro like that. It doesn't matter what kind of personality you are. It's really uh, funny when it's someone, too, that's like of any kind of prominence and you know they don't actually listen to the show and they're just kind of like. What's, Wait, what's what, what did I just walk into? Yeah, right. man. So uh, what's what's the deal with you guys? For anybody who's literally been living under a rock and has never heard IGP, what are you guys up to? What's uh, what's your show? What's the premise? Uh, and then we'll just jump right into it. Scott asked me a question before we started recording, and I'm like, wait a second. I should probably be recording this. This is good shop talk. So I cut him off rudely. We're going to jump right back into it as soon as Bradley intros the IGP. Go ahead, Bradley. So you want me to explain what the IGP is? Yeah. What What are you guys up to? What's the premise? And what What is the the pitch? The hook? Yeah. So kind of the idea is Scott. You know how this got started. Scott came by my office one day. We did just like a quick little video on camera, just talking about insurance and marketing, and we kind of worked really good together because we really had two different perspectives, two not not gonna say opposite personalities, but different personalities. And the idea was just to do a show helping people in ways that no one helped us, right? Bring people who are thought leaders and have weight, carry weight in the industry and bring them to the masses. And and that's the idea. I mean, our podcast is, I, I would say the hook would be is our podcast is not a funnel to get you in to something else. That's very common now, James. I think your show is is similar in that regard. But back when we started, we were the only show that the podcast wasn't a funnel to get you into some sort of coaching or training or something of that nature. The the podcast is the product. So therefore, we can leave it all out on the field per se. So that's that's kind of it in a nutshell, wouldn't you say, Scott? Yeah, I would agree with that. I just, uh, when I came through kind of starting the next season of my life, getting in the insurance business, I won't say that nobody helped me at all, but it was very rare that you ever really found anybody that wanted to pull the curtain back and show you how to become successful in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. I just remember interviewing with like a ton of different people that had been in the industry for a, a long time and they were not, most of them didn't even offer me a an opportunity. Most of them were just, you know, ah, this is tough and you probably don't want to do this. And I just always thought if I ever had the opportunity, I would love the chance to, you know, be the guy that starts the, the conversation about agents, helping agents, you know, I don't have James, just a little secret time here. I don't, I'm not a big, like a competitive guy. 
uh, I don't have that gene where I'm like always worried about somebody else might sell a policy that we could have sold or whatever. So I, I even had people call me, you know, close friends of mine in the industry call me, uh, when we started the podcast of what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'd always wanted, and I think Bradley would agree, always wanted an opportunity to start something where we could help other agents get better every single week. If I had to boil our podcast down and I say it all the time, if you can take one or two things from a episode, maybe, maybe this particular episode, not, not this one, but like whatever, whichever one you're listening to, maybe you, maybe you don't take anything from that one, but maybe the next one you pick up one or two things and we all know big doors swing on little hinges, that one little tweak, that one little thing that you might do could help you grow your agency by millions of dollars. And if we can do that for somebody, that's what I want to do. So every week I try to pull my pants down all the way to the ground and share whatever the good, the bad, and the ugly, by the way, I I just try to share everything. We do that before every episode. It's a ritual. Yeah, it Um, is, man. Hey, the, uh, what happens yeah, in it, the studio is none of my concern, guys. None, of, the, none of that happens. But it's one of those things, too. It's like, is there an IGP this, paddle, like fraternity style? <laughs> there's this narrative, I think, not only in our industry and in a lot of industries, that if you're selling insurance, you should make content about insurance. Or if you yeah. are selling real estate, you should make content about real estate. And I agree with that if that is what you're passionate about. I think what you should do is you should make content around what you're passionate about. Yeah. I'm passionate about business. Scott, I think is passionate about business and helping people. And therefore we make content in that realm. And And Alabama football. Oh yeah. I was just having a, I was just having a conversation (laughs) with uh, a producer 30 minutes ago. And I said, dude, I said, very rarely have I gotten on camera and talked about insurance things. Right. But I do the podcast. We do these things and I sell a crap ton of insurance from the podcast. I'm sure you have too with yours. You have a, yeah. a, a a listener in Wisconsin who has a client moving to McKinney and they, I know one guy there, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. if you make content around what you're passionate about, it's ultimately going to benefit your business. Yeah. That's no, kind of, that's the other thing for us too. So yeah, that, now that, now that what he just said, James is what I call an unintended consequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never that never crossed my mind when we started this ever. So, I know, never so thought about that. Yes, I wasn't going to say this, but this kind of leads it. So yesterday I was on a Zoom call with myself and Bob Rustball. Bob Rustball is the current president of the Big Eye National. Uh, he's been in there forever and he's retiring at the end of next year. And he was like, so what, you know, what's the, what's the deal with the podcast? And I said, well, you know, people in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s wrote a lot of books and people would tell you that there's no money in books, but the book is a door opener. Yeah. And this podcast is my book. It's a door opener. And he said, is it working? And I said, I'm on a Zoom call with you, aren't I? (laughs) There's no reason an insurance agent who dresses in, I was wearing a a different colored flannel that I am yesterday in a beanie. I look like I was getting ready to go chop wood. In Mobile, Alabama, yeah, who's uh, who's started this agency with no money should be on a thirty-minute Zoom call with Bob Rustball. Yeah, it's a door opener. Yep. Well, and I I have seen that 
I mean, dozens of times in the 18 months that I've been doing it. I mean, I've got like 25% the tenure that you guys do. So I can only imagine the inertia that has been built up. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the the tenure and some of the challenges that come with being such a long running uh, podcast a little bit later in this episode. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback on that because I'm less than 100 episodes in as we record this, and I'm already feeling the pressure of finding the next really good guest. And it's at tough. the beginning, everybody's like, oh, hey, you should start a podcast. Everybody. I feel like freaking everybody is starting a podcast now. <laughs> Even in our industry, it's a relatively small industry, but I can list two dozen insurance podcasts off the top of my head. No offense to any of my friends and colleagues, our mutual friends and colleagues. Most of them don't go anywhere. Most of them go, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 episodes. And then they fizzle out because people run out of good ideas or they run out of guests or just plain run out of time because it's they're running easy. their agency. It's a right. lot of work. So, you know what? Let me just go ahead and, and do it now because the lead in is too long anyway. How in the world do you guys keep it going for 300 and something episodes? Y'all been going for, you know, five years, six years. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, uh, you, you're, you're right. The key to the whole shooting match is consistency yeah consistency with what time it comes out every week because your loyal listeners they expect it to come they, they want to turn the radio or youtube or whatever yeah, you want to know how many people care about your show skip a week and just see what happens yeah you'll, you'll see that's a really good litmus test to see how many people you have that are waiting on that show to drop yeah. i'm not going to say we've ever done that on purpose we've done it by accident and it's it always kind of like when it happens too because it like you have all these DMs you know, but it's, I, I'm you know. gonna I'm gonna tell you the other secret sauce and Bradley and I have never talked about this. It has never come up in a conversation. I think it really helps us to have each other. You know the po the podcast that dropped this morning at six a.m. Wednesday this morning. I, w I was supposed to be there. I drove to Mobile. We did one day's worth of podcasting, which was four episodes, because that's about all I can do in one day, well, you know, full one-hour episodes. I got through with the last one, and I, when we let my wife and I left the podcast studio, I looked at her, and I said, I, I, I feel horrible. Went across the street to the CVS, got a, got a COVID test because I was afraid I had COVID. As it turned out, I had the flu. I had to leave Mobile that next morning because I was so sick. And Bradley recorded today's podcast by himself. First time that's ever happened, but it with, was with so him. Hard. It was so hard. But I think I think having each other, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever might happen, and I get a podcast co-host that's somebody in the industry, or I get sick and he takes the reins and runs with it. That's so much harder to do when you're one person. Yeah, you know, you go down with the flu and you can't podcast. Well, there's nobody else to hand the ball off to. Yeah, no, uh, and that is something that I've definitely felt some pressure on. Uh, you know, you guys have each other, and and Carruthers has Kyle, and right. I mean, he'll guest, he'll drop somebody in guest host seat. You know, all the time. He's done that right. quite a few times. Right. The the only way I know how to do it is to batch record. Yeah. The first year. I didn't do it correctly and I felt a lot of pressure and there was a lot of times where it's like, Ooh, Hey producer. Yeah, no, sorry. I was supposed to have you an episode yesterday, but I don't have one yet. 
Uh, and I'm going to be recording today. It and it's not as. And then good it ends as it up being be. a rushed production. It ends up being subpar. The day I started batch recording, every Wednesday at one and three p.m. And I recently opened up Thursday at one and three p.m. as well because I'd like to get about a month out at all times. It was like, wait a second, this just got a lot easier because yeah. there's. I mean, imagine that I'm the systems and processes guy, right? That's one of the things I'm known for in our our little industry. It's like I was lacking in systems and processes, and once I installed them, everything got easier. Imagine right. that, Scott. I think, I think the furthest out. So when we first started this, James. Zoom wasn't really a thing. It, Skype was a thing, but Skype kind of, you know, COVID happened. Skype dropped the ball. They dropped the football with like a 20-year lead, you know. Yeah. But so Scott would drive down six hours. And we didn't knew we we didn't know what we had, but we knew we had something. And so it was like for me. It was like strike while the iron's hot. I mean, we would do three days in a row, 12 episodes a day. We did that for probably two years. I think, Scott, the furthest out we've ever been was like six months. I think at one time we were, James, we were six months ahead on episodes. And I remember it being like July. And I'm like, man, I'm planning for January. You know, yeah. The uh-huh. ma- I think the maddest I've ever been at Bradley was I was driving down and I called you and I said something like, "Well, how many how many episodes do you have for tomorrow?" And you said thirteen, <laughs> or maybe that was for the two days. I don't remember, but it was like no, thir- it was thirteen. One it was one day. Thirteen one-hour one episodes. Now. To put to provide, I'm still not sure that's it should be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most podcasts. <laughs> that's true because that's why when we would end at like seven o'clock at night, I literally would just go back to the hotel and lay down and go to sleep. Yeah. It felt like I'd ran a marathon. But the thing was, is it was like for my perspective, I was like, we got to we've got to get this in while he's here. We got to get as many in as we can. Like this is yeah. th- there's this thing has legs. There's things happening. We just got to do it. Um, but no, about four is, and I don't, honestly, I don't know. Like, it's kind of like James when you're in college and you, you, you stay out drinking and you wake up next morning, you're feeling fine, but then you stay out till 11 PM now that you're in your late thirties or mid thirties and yep. you feel horrible. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, we do four in a day now. And I'm like, yeah. how in the world did we ever do 12 or 13? I know. But I, that was the key know, in the man. beginning just to be transparent. So at the time, it was us, Cass, and Hanley. And Hanley was in a little bit of a transition with Agency Nation. Cass took a break. I don't know if you remember this, but like 2017, mm-hmm. 2018, Cass took like a six-month break. He did. I think it was when he was in the middle of a rebrand. Well, that And it wasn't on purpose, but that's when we started. And Cass back then, I don't think, and he may disagree, I don't think Cass had like a regular release. I think it was just like, when I'm yeah. waving my hands in a wave fashion, I think it was just like whenever he felt like doing one, he would drop it, which Whereas is totally we were, wrong. We were every Wednesday at the same time. So yeah. that, that it kind of, for a, for a brief six month period, we were the only game in town. Also, both of us coming from the captive side, transitioning into independent, we grabbed a little bit of that audience too. So that's what kind of propelled it. 
And then the key to the whole thing were the guests. Yeah. yeah. Having the right yeah. guests on. And to be frank, we were interviewing people that we wanted to be connected with. Yeah. Same. It just so happened. Those were people that other people like to listen to too. So that's kind of, it created this perfect storm. Like, I'll be completely honest with you. I was on a, a phone this morning with somebody who's starting a podcast, insurance podcast, giving advice. And I was like, man, I wouldn't want to do this in this climate right now. No. Because there's 12, you know, versus yeah. back then we had three. At, at the end of the day, it really is this weird juxtaposition between an abundance mindset and being a good colleague and being willing and eager to help somebody out. But at the same time, your listeners, your audience has one set of ears and you can only listen to one podcast at a time. And it's like, okay, cool. Good luck. What are you doing by the way? Who's guest, you know, what guests are you bringing on? Hey, let's make sure. And I mean, you and I, I mean, Scott, are you ever coming back to that group chat? By the way, I haven't seen you in there in a very, very, very long time. I, I told them a couple of weeks ago, uh, cause I don't, I don't get on. I've got a, I've got two group chats. My friends from high school, we have a, a group chat and we've been, we've been on that for years and years and years. And then myself, Bradley, and a couple other guys have a, a group chat and I'm not on that very much. Uh, I'll, I'll jump on there and spits and spurts and, uh, but I, it's just a, it's just a function of time. You know, the, yeah. the bigger the agency's gotten and I just don't have much time for social media. Like I will, I mean, I might go an entire, most days, Monday through Friday, I may go a whole day and I do go a whole day from eight in the morning till five at night. And I might look at my phone besides answering a call or text, maybe 30 seconds. Mm. So it's just a function of time because I need that time that I used to spend, you know, on that group chat. I, I got to have that time back. You know, I've got to have it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's it's just a function of times. Well, all it the, is. Uh, I wasn't griping at you at all. I was just thinking about how useful that chat has been at times. Being like, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm interviewing so and so, and it's it's like, hey, you know, the polite thing to do is to let somebody know if you got a big deal coming up uh, right. to make sure that nobody else is dropping episodes of that person in a, a relatively similar period of time. Because I mean, I'm not going to name drop anybody, but you can pay close <laughs> attention. Uh, on when a certain guest makes the rounds, as we say, yeah, right. uh, in podcasting land, and you see three or four or five episodes of that person on different podcasts, I can say for those out there in uh, in audience land, we host freaking hate that. That is the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's uh, good I, for I, the guest. Uh, oh, man. It's great for the guest yeah. and bad for the host, bad for the show, and honestly bad for the other show that had them before because – it's just, it diminishes the value of the interview and it, it kind of makes us look silly. Uh, and it really comes down to the guest not sharing ahead of time. Cause we asked the question when we interview most of these people, it's like, Hey, do you have anything else queued up? Are you, are you sitting for interviews with anybody else? Now, unless it's like a book release, like David yeah. dropped dirty one thirty and Billy Wagner's book came out and other stuff like that. Right. If it's clustered around an event, yeah, that's one thing. That's no big deal. But if you're just on this, you know, self-promotional tour, and right. those of you that know who I'm talking about, yeah, I am talking about you. And that was a pretty uncool thing to do, just dropping yourself out there like pixie dust. And, you know, it's great for the guest. And yeah, you want to think I'm doing something cool. I'm getting lots of promotion. Okay. Well, you only get to do that one time and then you get blacklisted because we know what you're up to. 
And well, and it's the like, audience the doesn't other like thing, seeing that. The other thing too is my here's my favorite. This happened. God, I really want to say the person's name, but I'm not. It's nobody that like we're friends with. Hey, would you know person is a legend? Hey, would love to have you on our show. Left on red, completely ghosted. Yeah. It's year and a half later. Hey, Bradley, would love to come on your show. Oh my goodness, mm. I'm so honored. And then I hear from somebody else that's in the space, like, <laughs> oh yeah, he has a new like product he's promoting. And I'm like, come on, dude. You literally wrote the book on how to sell people without selling to them. Don't yeah, don't do that to like you're doing that now. Like, yeah. I know precisely who you're talking about, and out of respect for what you just said, I will not name drop this person. Uh, there, that's the other thing. It's like the book might have a, a particular geometric shape involved. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't know. Well, it's, it, it, I, maybe it's, it's just I don't know. It's like this, it, and at the end of the day, all this is trivial. All this stuff we're talking about, none of it matters. Like it's just like personal preference. You know what I mean? But, I, don't know. I, I think it might matter a little bit more because it goes back to. You know, professionalism, and it goes back to having a standard of excellence. I'm in the middle of listening to Bill Walsh's book, uh, 49ers, legendary head coach of, of the San Francisco 49ers, five-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he wrote a book uh, posthumously. Like, they made a book out of his notes uh, oh. and and just diary and journal stuff and commentary from his son and, and some of the people that worked closely with him. And the title is The Score Takes Care of Itself. And uh -huh. yeah, it's exactly, absolutely exactly. fascinating. Uh -huh. And it's like the standard of excellence. And it's like, well, you either carry the standard or you do something that disrupts the standard. Uh -huh. And if you do, there's consequences. So I, but that's I don't the case mean to for push insurance back on too, man. Like it, like that's the case for like insurance and networking and all that stuff. It's like if you consistently do the right things over and over and over and the right activities make the calls have the systems and processes in place, it's going to work out. We have an incredibly low bar for the metric of success in our industry. Mm -hmm. If if you do the right things, it is going to play out in the, in the long run. You do not have to force it. No, absolutely. No, I, I didn't mean to contradict you for no good reason there. I just think it, you know, professional courtesy and being a good colleague goes yeah. a long way. Uh, as As I know the three of us strongly agree, this is a very small industry, and if you treat people uh, with disrespect, uh, if you are irresponsible or lacking in courtesy, people remember that sort of behavior, and it's going to be harder for you to get you know traction if you treated someone poorly two years mm -hmm. ago and you never apologized for it. Yeah, yeah, and and also the flips. I agree hundred percent, and the flip side's true too. It's also, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt too is is important as well. Yeah. Everybody has bad days to some degree. You know. Absolutely. It's a complex I, world, right? It is. The social it dynamics is. game is ever changing, man. Now I, 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 I'll say this to kind of piggyback what the two of you are talking about. I don't care as much about any of that, uh, because my sole focus is we have got to put great content out every yep. Wednesday at 6 a.m. Yep. I've got so many stories and so much crazy shit that happens in my life. <laughs> and then the way my mind is wired, when I'm talking to somebody, I may have a completely different conversation than the James you might have with that person. 
Yep. Because I don't, I don't have any prepared questions. It's just, it goes where it goes. And I, you know, Bradley and I both at one time, we talked about possibly going down to like a 30 or 45 minute podcast. And the more I thought about it, I was like, Bradley, between my intro and the crazy ass stories we tell, and then intro in the guests. I mean, you're talking about meat and potatoes, probably only being a, a 10 or 15 minute podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't yep. care as much about that. And I don't, I don't, I'll tell you something. I do a poor job of that. I think the two of you do a much better job of, I don't have the relationships in the industry, the way that you two have, but based, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. I, I have fantastic relationships, but I just don't keep up yeah. with people. But Bradley does a fantastic job. He he keeps up with people. He has great conversations throughout the industry. Uh, nine times out of 10, he did it this morning. I think he'll call me and he'll say, hey, do you know blah, 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 blah. And I'll be like, nope, don't know him. Never heard of him before. Uh, and it's great when it's somebody who like he should definitely know who they yeah, are. Yeah, like he was telling like... me about somebody this morning. I was like, I have no idea who that is. Oh, man. I, and that's on me. I just, I, well, I, I get in my little bubble over here running an agency and it's like, you know, I'll be honest I, with you, Scott, if I could push a button and swap places with you, I would, I, because I sometimes would. I'm envious of the fact that like, there's things that I deal with from an industry standpoint. Oh yeah. Whether, whether Political. it's with political, yeah, mostly. Yeah. And I'm like, if I could just push a button and not know, like, like Scott is in such a good position because he just doesn't know, you know? Um, but that's, that's on me. I, I, I should probably do a better job. Now, if the phone rings and it happens to me all the time, agents will call me, people will call me. I will answer the phone and talk mm-hmm. to them. But most of the time it's podcast, uh, listeners, so it's like a kid in damn Nebraska that nobody in the industry has ever heard of before. He's just running mm-hmm. a an agency in Nebraska or Nevada or Texas, you know, somewhere. And yeah. I talk to them for 15, 20, 30 minutes. The the crazy thing for me is how many absolute rock stars are hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows Vonda Copeland. Everybody in our little corner of the industry knows Mama I bet Vonda. Scott doesn't. I don't. And, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> but okay. But again, that's just me. No, that's just. But I, I have, I have been aware of Vonda and had conversations with her. You know, once, you know, once or twice, like actual conversations and a lot of comments and posts and whatnot and various things. And then I had her on as a guest. She was on a panel of uh, a power women's panel. We called it back earlier this year, but then I had her on as a solo guest. And as we're chatting, she just casually drops that she has nine offices and more than 50 employees. And I'm just like, holy crap, Vonda. I've been around you for three Mm -hmm. years. I had no idea you were a friggin' baller, like big time agent. I I mean, her and Jay have got a great operation up there. And it's a very different game in Kansas, but still nine offices and 50 employees. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you're on the country. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. is a legitimate business. That's not an insurance agency. That's a business. And well, like- you are, you, James, you are a million percent, right? I am shocked. I'll go to places and get to know somebody on like a personal level. And I'll say something like, well, well, you know, how, how, how big, you know, how big is your agency or how many employees do you have? And they'll be like, Oh, 47. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. We got about, you know, 62 million in premium. And, uh, it's just, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's well, a the ton flip side of, of that's true. The flip side of that is true too. You have people who are in the industry that could benefit a whole lot from everything that goes on in what I call insurance land, this podcast, state association, IOA, all that whole, this whole ecosystem. Right. And they have no idea any of it even exists. Right. Yeah. I talk You're to right. in, people in insurance and mobile, probably on a monthly basis that have no idea that I have a podcast. Isn't it great? Like, they don't know any of this exists. And a lot of times it's my carrier reps, if we're being honest, but, but still, you know, it's the opposite is true too. And, and I think both are super interesting. Oh, I would agree. You know, I was at, uh, I recently got into a, a new, uh, I don't know what to call it, group, mastermind, whatever thing. It is entirely uh, on much, much larger agencies. Riskwell had to get permission to be in there because we're absolutely tiny uh, by comparison uh, of the folks that are in there. But I was at this table just having, you know, casual conversation on the topic of the day. And after being with these folks, and it was the the CEO, CEO and founder and his ops manager and their director of sales, and we, we were workshopping stuff for a few hours, and I didn't have any idea where we fell in the pecking order. I just knew that we were one of, if not the smallest office represented in the group. And at the end of that session of spending four or five hours just casually talking shop with these people, um, we... Uh, we passed around like our profile information, like fill out, you know, employee count and revenue and specialization and where your office is located and whatnot. And the group that I had just spent four or five hours with, they're in New Jersey. They have like 85 employees at one office, but they have like 15 million in revenue. Uh-huh. And I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. I literally just spent the last five hours getting amazing coaching and and advice and best practices from a group that is 11 or 12 times the size of my office uh in in revenue and you know eight times the size of my office in headcount wow and they never once mention any of it it's just like Mm -hmm. the humility of some people in this in this world that we're in there's i mean we all know how it is it there's this self-promotional uh, challenge that comes when you have a podcast and when you start getting speaking engagements and you write a book or, you know, you're popular insurance famous as Billy Williams calls it, <laughs> sure you know, you, like, you feel this pressure that so to engage much. in self-promotional stuff. Yeah. But then the real ones, the ones that are just deadly, you never hear a single word about them because they're just off doing their thing and they don't care what you think. Well, it's one of those things too. It's like, there's a there's a confidence level to that person that doesn't brag that has every right to you know what i mean yeah um i was talking to a buddy recently that was uh taking a private jet somewhere for the first time like like a like a jet not a private plane like a jet jet and i said man you know it'd be really cool he's like what's that it's like posting about that on instagram you know, it'd be even cooler. What's that? Not posting about it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you know, it's like the act like you've been there before kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's what, like, Bradley, what James just did, and I don't know that he knew he did it, 
he brought this conversation all the way back full circle to how it started, which is why did you start the podcast? Mm -hmm. Because good, bad, or indifferent, all of the agencies that we're talking about, rock stars, superstar group, they've got great business model, practices, procedures, hundreds of millions of dollars in premium in a lot of cases. You don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And that tells me they, they weren't willing to hang it out there on a podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot like I was talking about when we started this conversation, how people didn't really want to right. now, granted in this case, he's at a mastermind and they are sharing in a one-on-one setting with him, but, uh, it could kind of brought, you kind of brought it back full circle there. Well, yeah, the- man. And you gotta have an. There, there's, there's. That was kind of intentional, by the way, just a okay. little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we're about to pivot here in a second. I'll let Bradley have the last word, then I'll hit this little whoosh button. In our industry, there's been a scarcity mindset for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where people had the mindset of, oh, if, like Scott referenced earlier, if we don't get an account, then we lost something, or if I share how I'm doing X, Y, Z, then I'm helping my competition. No, you're not because there's plenty of business out there. I mean, I have a rooftop patio up here. We can go to at my office. You can see everything as far as the eye can see. Every single building, every single vehicle, every single thing you can see is insured. Right. And I'm in a small town. Right? There's there's enough business to go around. And I think as the industry trends younger, we're going to see more and more of that abundance mindset and less of the scarcity mindset. Yeah. I sure hope so. Because, I mean, the circles that I run in, if somebody is practicing scarcity, they're going to get called out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they're going to get made to look foolish and, and self-interested pretty quickly. So, all right, this little whoosh button here is uh, is the perfect segue to uh, just talking shop and getting out of podcast land and getting back into uh, insurance land. Uh, Scott, if you remember your question from before, it was something about property. I don't remember exactly what it was. So, but yeah, right before, right before you hit the record button, I had asked you because I knew Texas was a fairly large excess and surplus market. Mm-hmm. And I had said something about, you know, as most of what you're writing excess and surplus and your response was like 80, you know, probably 80% of what we write. Yep. And then, and then we got into this conversation about, you and I both write a lot of, uh, habitational property investor stuff. And you said, well, actually my, my agency risk, well, we're, we're kind of in the process of looking to diversify and get into some other markets and, and not necessarily walk away from that type of business, but yeah. focus more of our attention elsewhere. And I said, oh yeah, what are you guys, what segments of business are you looking to you know, diversify in. And that's when you said, let's, let's hold off and, and, and we'll have this conversation on the podcast. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who is it, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. 
with a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. So I've I've kept you hanging for, you know, 45 <laughs> minutes now. Yeah. Oh, that was rude of me, wasn't it? Okay. No, no, no. no. Um is this I feel pretty comfortable dropping this little nugget because by the time this airs, the process is definitely well underway. Um, we made the decision to sell our personal lines book in its entirety uh, and go 100% real estate investor and commercial. Right. I have hesitated at doing this for at least a year, honestly, just out of fear and wanting to keep my options open because we never know which way the winds are going to shift. But we've had a really fantastic year in 22. I've met every goal that we set. Uh, just had a bang up growth year, highly profitable. And that's in the face of some serious headwinds like inflation, the housing market just had a, a complete nosedive, interest out of control. And it's like, wait a second. We weathered a really bad storm and we're largely okay. We don't really have any uh, any negative side effects. How about we revisit that whole getting rid of personal lines conversation? Because mm-hmm. I don't really like personal lines. I get bored with it. It's not very difficult. It's hard to penetrate. You really have a difficult time finding true value ads. Like we, I mean, for commercial, we got value ads from here to Timbuktu, man. It ain't hard at all to deliver something that the guy down the street never even heard of. Right. But in personal lines, it's pretty dang hard, especially in North Texas, because we're the, you know, here in Oklahoma City is the hail capital of the country. And every, I mean, the joke is North Texas is where carriers go to die. It's mm. it's where if a carrier wants to lose money, go ahead and write business in North Texas. Mm. Uh, so that the pivot is writing business outside of Texas and writing more commercial and real estate stuff that's not in the hail corridor. Uh, and, you know, partnering with companies like Openly, uh, which are fantastic for real estate investor product, you know, looking in markets like Tennessee and arizona and now georgia and ohio uh, we're a little spoiled in texas with the premiums that's for darn sure you know it takes four policies in ohio for me to write the premium of one policy in texas mm. that'll take some getting used to but that's uh that's kind of the approach you know get rid of personal lines and double down on real estate investor and commercial occupancy and mm-hmm. the other classes of of commercial stuff uh, but Personal lines is a different animal. It is turned into a giant distraction. Now, mm. our less profitable, higher service load. There's a lot of reasons why we're getting away from it. So, who are who's who are uh, who's most of your personal lines with carrier wise? Travelers, Safeco, Branch, and Progressive mm. are the top four. So, for the sake of discussion, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just asking this question because I know there's people wondering this. Why not take a little bit of a haircut on commission and sign some of those? carriers up with their service centers to service it and just let it run on autopilot as best because possible. the personal lines and again client. i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just no no i love it this this dialogue yeah. i mean this is a podcast right we're supposed to talk about <laughs> stuff even if you did agree with me you might take the opposing <clears throat> views we can have a good podcast episode you know devil's advocate sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah 
No, I think I think slicing off portions portions <clears throat> of book of businesses is something we're going to see more and more and more as we go down the road of this industry. Yeah. Hey, hey James, is that along. has that transitioned the let's just sell, if you yeah. will, of your yeah, person. it is a sale. Is, has that happened or is it in the process of happening? It's in the process of happening right now. Okay. We have two buyers. We're kind of playing them off of each other. Uh, one is a private party. One is a, a network. And it, the network's a lower multiple, as you would expect, uh, but it's an all-cash deal. Uh, the private party is a seller carry note for a meaningful portion of the of the purchase. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have a settle-up on attrition after 12 and 24 months. So the agreed-on price is never the actual price when all is said and done. So there's some nuance to the deal. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I prefer to be on the buy side of the deal, honestly. I, I don't I don't necessarily like being on the sell side. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I promise the the I promise myself the ruthless pragmatism, as I call it, uh, is going to be in full effect. And I'm not going to make an emotional decision um, as of two years ago. I promise no more emotional decisions. Whatever the data suggests, we're going to act on on cold hard fact uh, and and strategic and tactical calculations and not allow emotion to infect mm-hmm. the decision making. So it just for you, it's it would be better just to basically wipe your hands clean of it. And, it's a distraction for us. Yeah. We are exactly. so good at real estate investor stuff and, and mm-hmm. four classes of commercial. We just have it down to an absolute science. We turn and burn. Our profitability is through the roof compared to personal lines. We're not very good at personal lines. I don't mind saying it. We're just not that great at it. We're good enough. We're average, but mm-hmm. we're no better than any other, you know, reasonably competent shop so i I was telling you but before we started recording i had heard a video you're in and you mentioned i believe the two classes besides property investors was uh construction or, yep. or contractors and mm-hmm. uh transportation are those we've, two we've started getting into transportation because we realized there's a lot of money in it and for someone who has a high level of acumen and high level of specificity Trucking and transportation is a really easy way to earn yourself a trip to the land of excitement and opportunity uh, for an attorney, as an right. ENO, for those of you that aren't paying attention, ENO, excitement and opportunity. That's a little CIC joke for you. <laughs> um, but uh, the 85 year old man who told that joke thought he was insanely clever. So I figured I might as well steal <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, the, the other classes of other than real estate investor are roofers predominantly love me some roofers uh, and then healthcare uh, practitioners. Uh, so doctors and dentists and whatnot, chiropractors for some reason are just a bad category. They almost never own their building. They don't have payroll. They don't have vehicles. They don't have imaging equipment. Chiropractors are a waste of my time for the most part, unless they own their building. If they own their building, cool game on. Otherwise probably not interested unless it's just a layup. Uh, but then other than that is the SaaS world and the software companies and telecom manufacturers. If they have a data exposure, if cyber and data breach uh, and DNO and ENO are, are things that they have a real big exposure to, I want to talk about that. The, the, the four lines of business that we all know about in commercial, you know, GL and excess, property, commercial auto, and work comp. If it is an account that is real heavy in the four main lines, it's not hard. It's not very difficult yeah. to write an account like that. The, you know, your average agent off the street that is, you know, somewhat competitive, excuse me, somewhat competent is the word I was looking for in commercial. I mean, they can do that 
reasonably well. It's hard yeah. to make an argument that you should work with us because we're really good at that. It's like, big deal. Everybody's good at that. It, that's like a one-on-one kind of class. But the second you go out into specialization of cyber, of DNO, of, of anything in the EPLI world, when you're starting talking about contract review and getting more into risk management heavy kind of accounts where it's really easy to have an oopsie, I like playing in the hard stuff because most people shy away from it. They want to do the accounts that are really heavy in the the main four lines we just listed here. And hey, wait a second. I caught what you did because you put me in the guest seat and this is my show. I'm supposed to be asking most of the <laughs> Scott, questions. No, no, Scott, slide no well, I, was, I was about to add to what you're just saying. Yeah. I, I do agree with you that the future of insurance will continue to be or, or, or move more and more towards complexity. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think uh, you're you're not wrong with anything you're saying right now relative to and I, when I say future, I don't know if that's 10 years, 15 years, but it's yeah. going to be a whole lot harder to get rid of agents when they're writing complex commercial accounts with those mm-hmm. other types of coverages needed on that account than it mm-hmm. is the guy, you know, the guy or girl down the street that's just writing a home and auto policy. Scott, Scott loves writing roofers. Scott, you should tell everybody how much you like writing. Well, I just roofers. don't, I just don't, I don't, I used to be in the construction business myself and I, I don't want to. I'm being sarcastic. What was, speak, that, uh, what was that quote from Scott Hal? All contractors are crooks. Damn lying, cheating thieves. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just don't like writing contractor business. It's, it's just either. not, it's just not my jam, you know, but yeah. the, uh, I, hey, I know people, our buddy Mike out in California. Um, what's his Fusco. last name? Fusco. Fusco. Yeah. Buddy Hill. Shout Hill. out to Fusco and Orsini. Yeah. They will. Now, they'll, we're, uh, we're, we're getting close to time here. I wanted to shift it one more time. And I know this is a little bit of a complex thing, uh, but the, the program from OpenAI called ChatGPT has man everybody and their mom is talking about it posting about it freaking out about it right now i would love to get your take on this ai driven content creation you know the quote unquote fake content um what's your take on what this means for the industry for what it means for folks like you and i with content creation you know you guys write blogs you guys put out text-based we're obviously we're not talking about like three-dimensional deep fake kind of stuff that the average Joe is putting out. No one's making a fake video yet. They will be mm-hmm. in the next five years for sure. Uh, that's the natural evolution of this chat GPT thing. What do you, what do y'all think about that? What is the implications of AI driven uh, content generation for our industry? Bradley, I'll let you lead. So from a content standpoint, it's getting easier and easier and easier for non-content creators to create content. Okay. Tools like lately.ai, who I'm a big fan of. Yep. Um, and tools like like Jasper, which used to be Jarvis, and this chat GPT. I, I say the name wrong, I feel like every single time. Did I say it right? Chat GPT. You did. GPT. Um, yeah. which which I've used several times. Uh, it's it's getting abundantly easier for people to create content. Therefore, if you want to be an elite content creator, you've got to step your game up. 
Yep. What happens in, in any space when technology comes into a space, it's the C and the D players that get caught up in all the noise, and it's the A and B players that adapt that really do well. Yep. So what it's doing is it's forcing the hand of everybody who's, you know, you might be creating content and you have a decent little system going, but you're really not putting a lot of work into it. Now it's forcing you to do that because by you checking the box and not putting a lot of work, it's gotten easier for everybody else. So I think you should use it, but I think you should look for ways outside of that as well. You know, we've used it to write copy and and, and written word, right? But then we're also enhancing our other things. You know what I mean? From a in, case, business- in case you're wondering what the GPT stands for, I just looked it up. It's Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Awesome. If, if that helps you remember the GPT. I now know thing. why they called it GPT. Um, is, it, is it owned by Google? OpenAI is the company that manufactured it. Okay. So from a business standpoint, the sector of the, biz- of the business world that I see being impacted the most are attorneys. I think if you're a transactional attorney who does not specialize, you're going to be in trouble. You in real trouble. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm already seeing ads for AI attorneys. I'm already seeing it. Um, I think so, Scott, I had to send a contract to someone recently. I was telling Scott about this and I was like, man, it would be great. And an attorney drew it up man, it would be great if I had a little section in here about X, Y, Z. Went in there, typed it up. Perfect legal verbiage, fit right into the contract. Sent it to my attorney. Hey, does this look good? Yeah, okay, boom, done. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you Somebody think about Somebody just lost $350 happens. not having to write that. You know what I mean? You're right. So I think if you're transactional, if, if your business has any... Sorry to interrupt you. Let me say this one last thing. No, you're your good. business has anything to do with the written word, with drawing stuff up and you're a transactional in nature and the only value you provide is that thing, you're in trouble. Um, the now, only thing that I, was I don't think say, people should get caught up in the. I feel like some people have gotten so caught up in it. I'm not one of yeah. these like doomsday. Oh my God, this is going to change the world. I'm, I'm, I don't fall into that category. No, so, certainly not. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is this, and you, you started down that road briefly is the text based content is the most susceptible to this type of technology because i mean machine learning all you're doing is feeding data into a machine that is crunching it learning it and spitting it out with an algorithm so you feed that machine learning thing that robot a whole bunch of contracts and legal documents and say here read this digest this figure this out and then ask it to spit out its own version with different use case and that is exactly what that sort of stuff is designed for. So mm. couldn't agree more, man. If if your job is built on creating words, watch out, man. Dude, yeah. I went in there and said, write me an insurance policy. And it sent me a freaking insurance policy. Like the verbiage. Wow. Like I was like, man, this is insane. I mean, obviously you can't do anything with that. Yeah, but not yet. Not yet. But the thing, and this is where my nerd brain just goes, is when you take that kind of technology and think about embedded insurance and blockchain, when machine learning, AI-based stuff, and blockchain and embedded products, when that conglomeration comes out, I don't know who's going to figure that out first, but those three factors, an embedded product on a blockchain with all the tokenized ownership and verification, 
you know, backed up by some sort of AI generating content or, or something like that. When those three factors hit the marketplace, it's a wrecking ball. Because then, I mean, the, the, the blockchain puts out a whole bunch of attorneys and title companies are out of business tomorrow this, mm -hmm. as soon as that gets mainstream. You know, when the tokenized ownership, you know, becomes a thing, we don't need county appraisal districts anymore. You know, when a real estate title hits the blockchain and can be independently verified, all of that stuff is going to just completely destroy certain industries. Uh, well, we talked about this last year at the One City World Tour was, you know, separate separate the Bitcoin and the FTA, all that stuff from the blockchain. The blockchain yeah. is where the insurance industry and agents probably need to focus more of their attention relative to smart contracts, uh, different ways that could affect all the way down to the agency level. Yep. Um, I don't know anything about, uh, cryptocurrency in and of itself, but there is enough data out there, data sets to, you know, there's been, there's been real estate transactions done on a blockchain. Yep. In fact, I believe at the one city world tour in January, Bradley's got a speaker. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bradley. Uh, first one to do an insurance blockchain. Is that right? They did. They, it, it, the agency was the first agency to issue an insurance certificate on a blockchain. Right. And they are, and they are currently developing what they are saying is the blockchain that insurance carriers are going to use. Right. Garrett, Drew whoever is, figures it out is, first yeah. is, is Noah steering the ark across the, mm -hmm. the flooded ocean. Absolutely. Like they're the very first ones in a new world. Yep. I think this guy's the guy. It's Garrett Drowish. Um, he was on our show, and he's he's going to come speak. And I mean, he's speaking all over the world on this now, so we're lucky to get him. Awesome. I don't know if this will air before then, but no, it will. I'm going to make sure this airs in enough time because I I was about to hand you guys the mic and say, what else do you want to chat about? Because we, you know, we're almost at an hour at, of runtime at this point, and I want to be respectful of your valuable time as well. I, so I tell I tell you what we'll do, and I'm not. I didn't ask your permission to do this. So if, if it's a problem, take it out. Anybody that uses the code agency freedom will get 30% off. Okay. We'll do that. Yeah, it's fine, man. Go right ahead. Anything All I can right. do to help you guys promote this uh, agency freedom is your promo code. You guys, if you're in my circle, if you follow a lot of the same people I do, there's a lot of promo codes for one city world tour floating around out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you haven't already used one and you want your ticket, uh, go ahead and catch the link in the show notes. I'll make sure it's in there and use the promo code agency freedom. And the three or four of you that haven't already decided to come to Austin and have not yet bought your ticket, well, go ahead and use my promo code. There you go. So I'm sure yeah, most James, of you are already either going or decided you're not going. James uh, gets but, a free Chia pet in the shape of Jason Cass's head. If, uh, if he sells enough tickets, so man, <laughs> So yeah, one city world tour, James, January 18th and 19th, we're bringing in speakers from all over the country to give real tactical, go back to your office and implement this type type material. Um, kind of like probably I, I, one way I put it is it's just, it's just a little bit bigger mastermind. You know, you're, yeah. you're, nope. you're sitting there and you're getting tactical. This is some things we could do when we get back. The way I explained it to somebody earlier is it's somewhere between a conference and a mastermind. 
Right. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're, we're big enough that we could probably call it a conference, but it's small enough. You still get that intimate feel. So, yeah. Which I don't know about our listeners, but I definitely appreciate that form factor. It kind of reminds me of uh, what David does in Key West with the, you know, the killing commercial mastermind is what he calls it. But I mean, when you got 75 people showing up, right. It doesn't really feel like a mastermind, but it's certainly not a conference. Uh, it's right. this beautiful halfway point. And, uh, I don't know what you guys have as far as attendees, but I know last year's was very well attended up in Denver. Yeah, we had about 150, I think, last year in a really small room. Um, we're probably going to have about somewhere between 150 and 200 now. We, we cap it, man. I don't want – the thing is, is is you get to a certain point where every attendee adds more expenses, and we don't do this to make money. In yeah. fact, last year, and we'll probably do the same this year, like a week or two before, it was like, hey, guys, we have – this we're this much over budget or this much under budget. And I was like, we're going to spend it. Like, I'm not doing this to make money. We're going to spend this to make the attendee uh, experience better. That's when we added. And the that's Jumbotron. when everybody had their pictures on the Jumbotron. The right? Jumbotron last year. Yeah. And which was uh, a really cool idea. Everybody and their mom was taking those pictures and sharing them it, everywhere. We put, yeah, exactly. And so, so it's, it, it's not about, it's not about having a thousand people there and making a bunch of money and that sort of thing. It's about a cool experience. So there'll be a point to where we'll cap, we'll probably cap it at 200 if we get there. Yeah. Um, so it'll be fun. Austin's an up and coming city, man. Um, it's funny. I told Scott and I think I told my wife, you know, you'll see these cities trend James in insurance conference land where you'll see the same city over and over. Like you'll see Nashville, Dallas is a popular one, Vegas, of course, Tampa, et cetera. And I told my wife last year when we were deciding where to do it, I was like, I think Austin is like the next like insurance conference city. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's why we decided to do it in Austin. And I have three speaking gigs next year. Three of them are in Austin. Wow. You, Makes there's, sense. There, there's two other conferences that are in Austin. So like that, it's it's a happening place. So yeah. I know what one of them is, but I'm not allowed to say it yet. <laughs> Hey, James, before we get off here, we think about the hard market in 2023. Do you, you know, think it, do you think it eases up towards the fourth quarter or do you think it's just going to be hard all year, all year long? I think that this, first off, this is not a popular statement and feel free to disagree. Anybody out there, you can, uh, you can at me if you want, you can email me at James at agency freedom. If you want to, you know, have some word fight going on here i think 23 is a culling of the herd I, I think there are a lot of people uh that have been mediocre performers uh in our industry that are not honestly they're not folks that listen to podcasts like yours and mine uh they're not the folks that attend conferences like innovation and one city world tour the the bottom 20 or 30 percent of our industry is going to have a really, really hard time in 23 uh, because the cost of internet leads are going up. The close rate is going down. The ability for these people to hide in the shadows uh, of mediocrity, I think the bottom 20 or 30% is going to have a very hard time. Now, the flip side of that is the folks that listen to podcasts like this and IGP, the folks that are always worried about becoming better, uh, getting processes and systems nailed down, taking better care of their clients, having you know better training for their team members, hiring and attracting more uh, effective people to join their organizations. 
I think 23 is a huge year for the people that are ready to play in a hard market because it's only going to get worse. The the crazy thing to me is this market for property is in the absence of any major weather activity other than Ian in Florida. Yeah. Ian in Florida is the only real event in the tropics for the last year. And then in Texas, we haven't had a hail season for the last two years. We missed it twice. And here we are in a historically hard market in the absence of bad storm season, in the absence of above average tropical activity. I'm scared to death of what happens if, you know, come March, April, May, we have a bad hail season, which it looks it's above average likelihood that it's going to. What does the property market do? I so I, it's a lengthy answer. What's I that? Think we got, I think we got two more years. My thing At is, too, I agree with Bradley on this. One big positive and props to you folks in Florida for passing uh, the special session legislation that caps assignment of benefit, uh, outlaws assignment of benefits, caps attorney's I fees. Got, I got the article printed out right here. We did a video on it yesterday. It, incredible. Bravo yeah. to the legislature and Governor DeSantis. I think that is fantastic. Um, trial attorneys uh, and you know shady contractors are the enemy of the public. Uh, they are mm-hmm. definitely the enemy of the insurance industry, and I love seeing it harder for them to write bad business. Here's the problem with it, though. I, I agree. I think it was an awesome thing. Here's the problem, though, and it's the problem with politics. Is this this right here is going to take a year and a half, two years before the state starts seeing positive effects from it? Can everybody be patient enough to wait 24 months to see the benefit? Yeah. What happens in 13 months when there's been no positive effects yet, or the positive effects haven't been seen? And there's some stupid politician out there running on the platform of DeSantis did this and it did nothing, right? And then he's got to get reelected or somebody's got to get reelected. So you, you see what I'm getting at? Like, yeah. that's the problem with the political. One of the problems with the political system is, is, yeah, we know what would fix the problem, but I've got to run for reelection in four years and I can't take the negative hit of the patience that it takes. It's, it's the whole problem, too, with like publicly traded companies. These CEOs and publicly traded companies have to make decisions in quarter increments. They can't, yeah. and, that, and that's why Bezos and Zuckerberg do so well, is because they don't give a crap about the quarterly calls, the quarterly earnings reports. They're looking at the long term. So you're making very short term decisions in this political system. So that's my only fear with it is can people be patient enough to see the positive effects from it? And of course, everything we're talking about right now, relative to two two years, and I agree with both of you, two years. Assuming big assumption here no no catastrophic event happens right yeah no, yeah exactly you know if three hurricane katrinas hit the gulf coast over the next two years i'm going to move to pine ridge now you're probably pushing that 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 back if the entire state of california catches on a wildfire um but i, I will say you know moving the positive direction there for florida no doubt I saw an RPS outlook report last week and I called a buddy of mine. Who's an attorney for Kemper insurance. And I said, John, I said, this is the most bleak outlook report I have ever seen in my entire life. It it ended with the last paragraph saying we live in difficult times. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, my God, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year to say the least. 
No, and I, I think in the interest of our audience's time, my man, that is a great place to stop. Scott, you, you ended us with a doozy of a question. I would love to get more into that. I'd love to get more of your detailed take. That'll have to wait for another day. Absolutely. Um, hey, what's uh, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you uh, if they want to reach out? Is it just uh, email? You know, I know Bradley's all over the Twitterverse. Uh, Scott, you don't have time for social media, as you've already indicated. Uh, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Well, uh, I end every podcast with telling our audience, you know, if you want to reach Scott, just Scott with two two T's, S-C-O-T-T, at iProtectInsurance.com. And Bradley is uh, just Bradley. Just, just search my name on any social media app except OnlyFans and you'll find yeah. me. But email Bradley at portalinsurance.com. Pretty simple. That's there the worst go. way to get in touch with me, by the way, if you guys are trying to get in touch with me. I'm kidding. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. And if you're not already listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, check them out on every major platform. Uh, they've been around a lot longer than I have, and their listenership is somewhere in the 5 to 10x my range. So if wow. you're listening to this pod, you probably already listen to theirs, uh, or you're at least aware of it. So Hey, I'm going to end this podcast one other way, too. I want to tell your audience how proud I am of you, James, because you cannot believe how many hundreds of people that Bradley Flowers and I have told in the past five years, whatever you do, if you start a podcast, don't stop until you get to 50 episodes. And you, my friend, are one of the only people that did it. You got past the hump. Yeah. And that I can't tell you how proud I am of you for doing that because there's something, as our friend Johnny Gwynn said, there is something about getting over that hump of 50 episodes. And I truly believe it's just getting into the, you know, habit. There's whatever you do, you do about, do it about 50 times, you'll get into a habit. Yep. You've gone past, way past that. And now, Hopefully it's going to all be downhill sledding for you. And I'm very proud of you for that. Thanks, man. No, it, it's, it's definitely getting a lot easier. Once systems and processes and workflows get installed, uh, I made a lot of mistakes. It's hard to go back and listen to some of those early episodes. Oh, things no, that Scott, I said, things that I, I said I was going to do. It's like, oh, oh Scott, man, would, you were way would, off. Would James be surprised at how much of a crap show our stuff is on the back end? Like we have no systems and processes. Well, like, I'll tell you what he wouldn't be surprised about is the fact that you and I had to re-record our first two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. They were now, that there's bad. Only been, there's only been four times, and I, we'll end with this because I know Bradley's got to get. There's only been four times that I've had to go back and censor myself and cut something out that I said that would definitely have gotten me sued uh, and yeah. had to remove it four times from the episode. Yeah. I'd like to not get sued on my own podcast. That yeah, would not be yeah. fun. That'd be good. Yeah, if you could, if you can get through life without getting sued, yeah. yeah I've already been sued always, twice. That's no big deal. It's always good. James, humbled and honored to be here, brother. We love you. All right. All right. You guys make it a great day, boys and girls. We will catch you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. 
visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.